0: It's 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Great day for a great day. What's going on, everybody? This is short-term high volatility investments. It's your main man, she's a.k.a. the old man who bats. i alongside my main man, Aunt Latino. Aunt, talk to him.
1: What is going on, everyone? We are back, and our favorite uncles are here with us. Business and pleasure, short and sweet. Happy Friday, everyone.
0: Yeah, baby. B and P, your two favorite uncles. We bring the eggnog. We wear the sweaters. It's not holiday season yet, but we're going to be giving out the gifts, and those are the gifts of winners. So excited to talk about a lot of things today, but let's kick it off here, and we got a pretty electric week of headlines. Of course, my Knicks lost. That's all we need to say about that. On to the next one. Trey Young, a baller. That's all we need to say about that. On to the next one. The Barbers in Atlanta I think should be personally offended by Trey Young's haircut. That's all we'll say about that one. And let's about talk Capella. about Mayweather what, what and what about Paul Clint for a second. Clinton, Clinton, Clint, he, he's got a good haircut.
1: He, good haircut. Little, little color floating around somewhere up here. You know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Hey, they talked shit and they backed it up. They blew us out of the barn. But I still think if I was a barber in Atlanta, Atlanta historically a pretty swagged out city, I would be appalled at what Trey Young is doing with that haircut. But. Enough about my sorrows. Yeah, what's going on in your world? Well, let's
1: let's keep it in basketball. I think an uh, interesting thing in the news that I can't say I was shocked by. Uh, he strategically, I believe, is waiting out Roy Williams by one full season to make sure he can just get that much further in the wins category. Uh, but you had Coach K. I think today or yesterday announcing uh, retirement from the game, kind of kicking off his farewell season, farewell tour. So you know, one more, one more potential dance coach k and then he rides off into the sunset
0: yeah it was a really weird press conference i, I saw not that. a duke enthusiast by any yeah. means not a duke detractor by any means either so i didn't necessarily get the inside joke of blasting every time we touch but that was that was cringe man that was that was tough to watch it was like a couple fans kind of bringing the heat everybody else was like should we be bringing the heat <laughs> yeah. not truly a, a group clap but uh Oof. I mean, if that is anything uh, foreboding maybe, about Dukes, is gonna go. It's gonna be a yeah, nightmare.
1: Yeah, or is that the uh, is that the theme song of the farewell tour? Do we get more of that? I mean, can we get yeah.
0: enough? I mean, Trey Jones had tweeted that that was on repeat all day. It feels like something that maybe was already playing. I don't know. It definitely had to have been an inside joke. I'm firmly on the outside, and it didn't make any sense. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a nightmare. That was not how I'd want my retirement uh press conference to kick off my last season no, to kick off
1: 100 but i think it's going to be interesting watching duke going forward because you know he was the motivator right like the 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 brand itself the college mm-hmm. the school the opportunity still means something but is it enough without coach you know without coach k there and that figurehead i think you're going to see that with this with a lot of programs unc being one of them now with uh with roy moving on uh, eventually Jim Beheim, if he ever leaves uh, Syracuse. So, you know, a few programs around the nation, which are really going to be interesting to watch some of the blue bloods.
0: Yep, 100%. And so many of the other coaches, young guns coming up and winning. Is this the death of Duke? Perhaps.
1: Could be. Hot take. Will we look back and call this? Yes.
0: Back. Episode 15. We'll mark that <laughs> right at the 932 range, and we will quote this. Uh, As soon as we can. Anyway, let's keep it moving. We got a a pretty electric set of headlines this week. Uh, Logan Paul, Money Mayweather, no judges, but knockouts allowed. How do we feel about that?
1: This tells me squarely that I do not want to bet on this fight, and I do not want to order this fight because I don't know what this fight is. Uh, If you check with me in a few weeks when it goes down or whatever date it goes down at, I will probably be sitting in front of the TV watching it.
0: But yeah, I thought the, weird, the right? knockout knockouts and uh and stoppage allowed. I mean, you gotta think money may is gonna be bringing some heat, right? I would love You'd to hope see so. a Do you think he really him? wants
1: to go to a no winner red lack of decision? We'd kind of just end the fight thing. I, I I would assume that knockout aspect will mean he, he is going, but that's not typically what you see from Mayweather. I mean, I remember watching Mayweather fights down the stretch and even earlier in his career, and the guy's a, a technician, right? He wants to box you. He wants to uh avoid you and he and he wants to outfight you outbox you, right? Truly outbox you and and so many fights for him went to the scorecards and he was, you know, so successful.
0: Yeah, he plays chess, man, and not checkers. He's he's yeah. untouchable literally. Um but I don't know. Like to your point, you know, just a weird dynamic. Usually it'd be judges with no no knockouts, no knockdowns, whatever it might be. So to flip the script there, I love the uncertainty. Will I buy it? Probably. I probably will probably get sucked in. That's what they want. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a These master marketer huge if nothing numbers. else
1: numbers, huge numbers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And keeping it in the Paul world here, we've got Jake Paul now fighting Tyron Woodley. Woodley's got a, an absolute haymaker as well. You love to see him like starting to get to legit fighters, right? This guy, yeah. I mean, maybe it's slightly past his prime. I know he's lost a couple of UFC fights recently, but it feels like this is the most legit one yet. Any thoughts there?
1: More of a traditional puncher right than I think some of the other UFC guys and uh you know other other athletes he's gone up against so I tend to agree with you I think you know it'll be an interesting test uh that's not really where Woodley comes at things but you'd hope he he gives him a little bit more of a fight and maybe finally ends starts ending some of this madness
0: yeah for sure and it would be interesting to see if both the Paul brothers get knocked out is that the end of the hype train I mean they would have made like two hundred million dollars combined so they probably don't care but Uh, does that put boxing back down to where it was and UFC just keeps being the thing? I think probably, but yeah, I think
1: Thrillist did make one other big move with all this is, is, and I don't know when it kicks in. I don't even know the official details. so I probably shouldn't even be talking out loud about it, but they did go and sign a, a pretty legit, uh, boxing announcer. So I saw that happen. Yeah.
0: Okay, interesting, and I, you know, it got a lot of flack on the last time, but I loved all the live music, and it was kind of like a multimedia event. Uh, I thought it was fun, but then again, who knows? It was a weird fight, weird day. Snoop Dogg was up there. Snoop Dogg was hilarious.
1: Yeah, Jim Lampley, Jim, Jim Lampley, Jim Lampley, famed famed boxing broadcaster is moving on from hbo and making some moves so All hey, right. that'll be exciting you know thriller fight club maybe uh, stepping up a notch to legitimacy we'll see yeah for sure for sure um
0: a lot of interesting questions in the uh in the boxing world but Let's bring it home here, man. Let's get to the business side of things here. NBA playoffs this weekend. That's I've right. got an MLB look on Saturday. I know you're going back to the well. loving this Mavs-Clips series. The Clips just drop another one at home, down 3-2 in the series. Is Luka Doncic going to be the best player of all time? Where do we stand in on this one?
1: It's so interesting, and, I mean, this This is almost going to look like a mirror image to, to game three. Um, you know, to me, at least a, a mini version of that, right? The Mavs came out. They won the first two games. Clippers game three in Dallas, got the W1 game four in Dallas. So uh, four straight uh, road playoff wins to to start this series. And then you got the fifth one uh, the other night with the Mavs winning uh, game five to take a 3-2 series lead. So this one surprised me, you know, with that game five performance, I thought Luca was going to be a little bit more banged up. Um, He didn't show any signs of that neck, nerve, shoulder, or whatever was bothering him injury. Um, And he got the job done. Right. So now what we're looking at is the uh first time since 1995 that um you know we've had five straight road victories to to start a series. So 1995, it's only happened 3 times in, in NBA playoff history and 95 is the last time. So the early lines look like for Friday night we're seeing Clippers -2. That's actually where that game 3 line opened. Um Minus two closed at either two and a half or three, depending on where you got it. Um, and I just think it's, it's do or die. I don't think this series is over. I think it's going to go the full seven. You might get seven straight road victories. Cause I don't know if they can stop Luca in back-to-back games. Um, but I do like the Clippers here. Um, I, you know, just think it's, it's Paul George and Kawhi time. Some interesting trends in game five, just, you know, from the eye test, from looking at the box scores, I, I did watch most of it. Um, a lot of runs in this one, and I think you saw that early. The Clippers got up 10 or 11 in the mm-hmm. uh, in the first half. Luca went out early in the second, and the, the Clippers cut that all the way down. The, the Mavs, Mavs were actually up 16 points early in that fourth quarter, and the Clippers cut it down to four. Mavs jumped back up by 10 points. The Clippers rattle off nine straight points to cut it to 101 to 100. And then the final score was 105-100. So there was actually a steal and a little bit of a sequence where I think it was Batum, and then you know somebody else might have missed a putback. But the Clippers, off that steal and off that miss, missed the opportunity to go up 102-101, and who knows what happens in this game. So you know I think with their back against the wall, I still think they're the superior team, better talent. They just need to put it together. They can't get down early, and they can't get in these terrible starts that they've done. They got a slow Luka. I think you're going to see a steady dose of Kawhi and PG – Uh, on him uh, a little bit more and i think this thing at least goes seven do i still have confidence in the clippers to to win no again probably not because i I haven't seen them do it in back-to-back games their chance to do that was really in game five coming off a very decisive game Four win putting a stamp on this thing at home they didn't get it done um one thing to keep in mind with these nba playoffs though is home court advantage doesn't matter (laughs) at, at all
0: especially in L.A. when they have 20% fans. I mean, Dallas, I think, is at like 150% fans at this point. They're adding seats to get more people in there. But question for you, Ant, if we think that the Clippers are going to get it done to keep the series alive here, do we think there perhaps is a hedge opportunity today, the Clippers, right now, to win the series, assume that they'll then be favorites in Game 7 back at home, and then we can get plus money on an underdog at Dallas Moneyline in Game 7?
1: I do. I do. And I think that is a great way to look at it Um, because you have to assume they were, let's check the odds, but they were favorites last night, uh, even on a a little bit of a shorter line. So you'd have to imagine it mirrors the game five position, maybe even get some strength out of it. So you have the Clippers money line very much, or sorry, the, the Mavs money line very much in play for you in that game seven matchup.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love your confidence here. I don't know if I share that confidence in the Clippers on the road, but Hey, the trend, I mean, absolute crazy stat there. 95, five straight road wins. Uh, I didn't know that until literally right now. So that's, that's yeah. Really and another fun. thing,
1: you know, just in reading up on this series and, and the playoffs in general, and this was from a few days ago, but through the first 32 games of the playoffs. So that meant you had the home team or you had both squads in a given series playing, um, you know, both their two home games and their two road games. So everybody here was factored in, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, 32 playoff games, 16 and 16 for the home team split 50% right down the middle. That's the lowest in the playoff era, which I think is 84, 85 in the NBA. Uh, The only time this was a lower percentage through the first 32 games, uh, hovering around that percentage was literally last year where there was no home court in the bubble. Yeah, wild.
0: Yeah, I mean, I almost felt like, you know, the, the home teams and their slow starts, you obviously mentioned it with the Clippers. I mean, obviously my Knicks couldn't have started slower in every game. We felt like we were down 10 as soon as the buzzer uh, or as soon as the opening tip. And, you know, I wonder what if there's anything, something to be said there around the home teams, just not, not used to playing with so much, so much energy, so much hype at home, like almost distracting. Yeah, you're almost uh, overhyped,
1: right? You come out pressing.
0: Yeah, a little tight. Yeah, trying to force shots. I mean, I know the Knicks were getting into their, you know, short uh, or long-range long, long range twos early and often without actually making them, you know, defend there. It was just like the quick open shot, and we bricked literally every single one, 40 in a row, I think, at one point. But, but hey, man, that's good stuff. I love the I, – I like the clips. I mean, minus two, great analysis there. They're the way team.
1: Why not? Why not? We'll see. We'll see what happens. But But the series – Future bet is a good way to, to play it too. You might be able to play both sides and, and get a little bit of value. If I didn't have a, a Clippers ticket already floating around, you know, I might think differently. But we'll leave, yeah, that, for sure. we'll leave that in what, the book. What do we think?
0: How many points does Kawhi need to win this game?
1: Phew. I think what Kawhi needs is to step up and be the claw on defense. Okay.
0: Does Screw he match up points. with uh with Luca here?
1: He does. I think what was interesting last night, and there's just so many picks and hunting and switches and Luca knows how to get to a spot and and, and and find some some moves so you know you just got to try to slow him fight over some of the pick and rolls but you do you have seen him covering Luca uh, more often and I think you're going to see more of that tomorrow
0: yeah I mean I love the do or die I would love for a game seven what's more fun than game seven especially with this much talent on there yeah. but yeah you know, especially in the first half last night it was like you know, the Luka, the double teams, the picks, the rolls didn't matter. He was then just splashing threes in your face. And it's yeah. like, if he's going to hit that, you know, as Trey Young did to me all series, no matter how hard we defended him, splash, forget about it. You know, that's just that's that. Yeah. All right. Well, so I let's we'll switch see.
1: gears to the uh, old America's pastime.
0: America's pastime. The dog days of summer. Get your footlongs ready. A couple of hot dogs, a couple of hot beers. Put them in the, if it's an IPA, get it in the slow cooker. If it's a Bud Light or something, a lighter, put it right in the microwave. No big deal. I've got one pick for you guys this week, which I'm pretty pumped about actually. We're ready. Is this a Saturday game? A Saturday game. Alex Cobb. At one point, great. At one point, terrible. Back to his greatness, perhaps he's having a career year here versus UC Kikuchi. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, yeah, right? Man,
1: look, I'll, I'll be honest. When you dropped this one into the notes and gave me a little preview that this was what was coming, I, I stared at it for a little while and I was like, Seattle Angels. That doesn't scream under in 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 a pitching matchup and a hitting matchup to me. But hey, a lot of good things. I think you know we'll we'll all interject throughout. Um, but but I'm excited to hear the breakdown.
0: Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, obviously we don't have a line yet, right? We record this on Thursday. This game's not till Saturday. I'm looking at under hopefully four and a half. I think it might even be a little bit lower, but we'll see because neither of these teams are exactly raking on offense. Uh, Both these pitchers have been pitching pretty well, but under four and a half is, is where my target's at. Um, and usually, you know, we, we break down matchup data, but both of these guys have very, very small sample sizes in the matchup data. It was both under 20 at bats. So I've, I've thrown that out entirely, looking specifically now just at, at season data um, and looking a lot at, at how things have changed over the last couple of years for both of these pitchers. Of course, Kikuchi's only been in the MLB for two years, but Cobb's been in there for, for, for what, plus 10 at this point. Uh, but anyway, let's start with UC here. Um, you know, I think he, he's. What's really interesting to me is he's really finding his groove. He's finally posting an ERA that matched his 2020 expected FIP. You know, we look at 2019, first year in the league, making the transition to American ball, 5.46 ERA with a 5.18 expected FIP. Mediocre, you know. He was supposed to be this great pitcher. He was already getting ridden off as a bit of a bust. It comes back in 2020 and doesn't do too much better. If you're only looking at ERA, his ERA actually uh, decreased a touch, but 5.17. So you look at his 2019 expected FIP. He's now pitching towards that as his ERA in 2020, but his expected FIP in 2020 drops significantly to 3.78, and that's exactly where we want him to be. Fast forward to 2020 2021 here. He's got a 3. 880 RA with a 3.52 expected FIP. So he's consistently getting better. He's finally pitching towards what the peripherals were implying. And then of course the question is what changed? And the answer is a lot. His fastball usage is down from 49% in 2019 to 31.9% here in 2020, which is a a one of the biggest decreases I think I've ever really seen there at 18%. His slider usage also down 8% in the last two years. His cutter is now a pitch that he throws 39% of the time, a pitch that he didn't throw at all in 2019. He did throw it last year at 39.9% as well, so just about the same. So it's great to see him decrease his pitch, add a new pitch, and then kind of just catch up to what the peripherals are. Uh, he's also throwing a split finger up 2% uh, two, two year-over-year, so nothing too crazy there. But his velocity also has increased by 3, three miles per hour, 2092 uh, and uh, 2019, 95 in 2021. So different uh, selection of pitches, more velocity. And now his numbers are, are fantastic. And, you know, I think what, what to, to kind of clarify or, or at least quantify if those numbers are a fluke, you look at some of his other things. I was looking specifically at his home run to fly ball rate as well as his home run per nine rate. Those are exactly in line with with his other stats. So it's not like there's these crazy outliers when you look at some of his more basic stats. Uh, so it seems like he's just, just throwing the ball uh, a little bit better. And you know, I think he's he's also seen, um, you know, with that increased velocity, with more of a diversified pitching, his his uh, his K per nine rate has increased by almost three, six point four six in twenty nineteen to eight point seven six here in twenty twenty, uh, which is awesome. And uh, you know, we're, we have a away game here for Seattle. He's been better on the road, a three point three ERA away versus a four point four one ERA at home. So a lot of things here, I think, are are trending up uh towards UC and um you know quite frankly I'm looking to back him uh in this matchup
1: yeah no I I think um you know again what when you when we first talked about it some of the team stats jumped out at me a little bit but the you know the Angels do have some middle of the pack uh moves on on offense um but that's also with Trout in the lineup right And 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 You know, shaded a little bit towards how they were playing earlier in the year. Um, You also never know. We obviously don't have lineups, but depending on when Ohtani pitches and when he's getting off days, he's also not in that lineup every single day. So, um, you know, I think you're spot on and, and it's really interesting to see some of those trends with 19, 20 and 21, just how he's moving towards some of those expected averages. Um, Yeah, for sure. And I
0: think you bring up a really good point about kind of where the Angels are, right? Um, You know, UC here does give up home runs. He's given up at least one in his last five starts uh, and two in one of those. But you look at the Angels here, they're 11th in home runs per game, which obviously is good. But a month ago to the day, they were fourth. So that's a, a pretty big drop off, which is great. And, you know, one thing I think that's kind of underrated here from UC, he's gone at least six innings in nine out of his 10 starts this year. So, you know, one of those things is why I prefer first five often is that we can hopefully avoid a bullpen. And, yeah. you know, well, that's, this a, that's sample also size here.
1: You figure that could be two cycles through the lineup. Maybe you start getting into that third, but you're kind of right on the cusp of that third turn through the lineup, which is where you either see managers pulling out guys early or guys running into trouble, right? If they do get Mm -hmm. some of that, that, that longer leash. So um, spot on with some of the first five and, you know, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the other side. Cause again, Cobb, Cobby. I remember back to some of those early (laughs) Rays days, man, when he was a pesky pitcher with the Tampa Bay Rays and uh, the bottom really dropped out and had some dark times in some of those Baltimore years. Yeah, I mean,
0: combo the fact of both injury and playing for the Orioles, you know, he went from a highly touted prospect to one of the worst pitchers in the league literally right. overnight. He had, I think, three or four seasons with the Rays sub four ERA and then had three or four seasons with Baltimore of an over five ERA, like yeah, they an messy. absolute crazy, crazy transition. And honestly, looking at when I looked at his 2021, you know, obviously first season here with the Angels stats versus uh, what he was doing last year with the Orioles, like night and day. I almost had to refresh the page. I thought maybe the data wasn't loading correctly. Are we in the matrix? Is this a glitch? I, know. I mean, we probably are living in a simulation, but that's an entire different conversation. We can put an hour on the books for that one. So, you know, Alex Cobb here, he's having a career year, right? I mean, I, do I worry about the regression of Cod of old? I don't think so, right? He's got a 3.78 ERA here with a 2.44 expected FIP. His best ever expected FIP across the what ten ish? I think nine years maybe in the in the in the uh, in the in the league. Uh, this is an ERA he hasn't touched since 2017, which is huge. But this is the stat that really blew my mind. His K per nine last year in Baltimore was 6.54. Pretty pathetic, honestly. This year, 11.61. Five more strikeouts per nine than he was averaging last year, which is insane. When you look at his his walks per nine, about the same, so nothing's changed there. Uh, And his batting average on balls in play is actually 376. League average is about 300. So even with these killer numbers, higher strikeout rates, killer ERA, and even better expected FIP, he's actually maybe getting unlucky. You know, you love to see that. So, you know, with, with huge jumps like this, you got to, just like with UC, got to ask what has changed. And similarly, the answer is is kind of a lot. He's throwing his fastball less, it's down 8%. He's throwing his change up more, up 8%. And, you know, I think interestingly enough, game I handicapped earlier this week of the under and with Robbie Ray and uh, Sandy Alcant- Alcantara, uh, both guys who are having fantastic years, and Robbie Ray, I think, is more interesting of a case study here because that guy's had control issues. That guy's been all over the in place in the last three yeah. years. Robbie Ray also increased his change up by about ten percent this year. Sandy's throwing his change up seventeen percent more this year. So when I see here Alex Cobb throwing his change up eight percent more this year, it almost seems to be a recurring trend of throw more changeups, get more strikeouts, become a better pitcher. Not sure if we have enough data to make that conclusion yet, but nonetheless, I do love that. And you know, so we look at the bats here for Seattle. Seattle's also number twenty six in first Not five good. runs per game. So you got a guy with a career year Going against a team that doesn't hit very well, and then you've got UC, who's the definition of consistency. You know, averages about two runs per game over those last six or seven starts. Four and a half. You're all of a sudden looking like we've got a little bit of space, and and, and honestly, I, I think it's going to be a great bet. If it's even at three and a half, I think I'm going to look to take it. But
1: yeah, uh, that's I mean, my look,
0: favorite bet of, of the Saturday.
1: I referenced, you know, the Angels' middle of the pack offense. You know the. The numbers aren't terrible. They're not great. They've trended downward a little bit since the Trout stuff. But Seattle is the polar opposite of that, right? They are on one of the extremes. They're 23rd in runs, 30th in hits, 30th in average, 30th in on-base percentage, 28th in slugging, 16th in home runs. None of those are are, are quality top half MLB league numbers. So you are talking oh, yeah, about an offense that, that struggles. Of exactly. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Uninspiring I backed them on. is an understatement. Exactly. I backed them on Wednesday night at a juicy plus 148 and they got shut out, baby.
0: (laughs) Of course they did. Right on schedule. But hey, I love that you take the underdog there, you know, living a little bit.
1: Got it. Got to find that that money. Yeah, for
0: sure. So summary here, guys. Thank you for listening. As always, Ant's looking at the Clippers minus two. We also think there might be a hedge opportunity if you do believe the Clippers are going to win this game. Uh, look for the Clippers series price, probably in the plus to what, 200 range, maybe a little bit higher. And then you can hedge with the Dallas Mavericks money line in game seven. They should be an underdog. And uh, then I'm looking at the first five under for Seattle versus the Los Angeles Angels. Hopefully, we'll have some Angels in the outfield specifically, but not at the bat. A couple of diving catches. Why not? Uh, we're looking at it under hopefully four and a half there. Line doesn't exist yet, but obviously will be posted on Twitter as soon as we have them. And bring us home.
1: Let's have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy the weekend. And as we like to say around here, find those hot bets and cold beers. Cheers all. This is
0: 137 PM. Own your future. Start this minute. 137 p.m. is a gallery media group original production.